All those kinds of things have grown with technology and population, but I don't see any way you can, in any correlative fashion, truthfully make those kind of claims. And I'm not going to get into the green energy holocaust that we're all stuck in right now, because you can't, you can't win. You just cannot win. If you're with some people that may not know you, and then you have some people that you know and you're picking at each other, the crowd hears you say this, hey, you just beat your wife all the time, talking to one of your friends. Everybody else in that crowd that doesn't know you, doesn't know him, they're going to think he's a wife beater when he's not. That's what the climate folks are using against us. It's guilt by association. Association with things that they believe are lies and you not believing what they say that you think are lies. All of credibility, honesty, and integrity, it's just like somebody uh, put a hole in the bottom and the balloon is leaking at the bottom with all those things, the good things, integrity, honesty, factual information, all those kind of things on which we can kind of make a stake and start from there based on facts. There are a lot of things like this going on in the Biden administration. Now, I just happened to look back, not a long way back, a couple of months back to the month of May. How was Joe Biden handling all of this? Remember, the war in Ukraine was two months younger. Our problems really had exploded. More and more information out there that maybe, oh, maybe, the big government spending plans that Biden put on the American people have a lot to do with inflation. On May 12th, May 12th this year, on NBC, listen to Biden, and when they talk about these things, pay attention to the numbers that they talk about. I want every American to know that I'm taking inflation uh, very seriously, and it's my top domestic priority. On defense, facing low approval ratings on the economy, President Biden says the pandemic and Russia's invasion of Ukraine are largely to blame, along with congressional gridlock. Look, I know you got to be frustrated. I know. I can taste it. The president also calling out Republicans for what he called an ultra-MAGA agenda. But some Republicans are pushing back. Senator Rick Scott calling on Biden to resign over inflation. He took no responsibility and he has no plan. With inflation soaring above 5% for a year now, the pressure is mounting as gas prices hit another record high. The national average now $4.40 a gallon, up 18 cents from just one week ago. I want it to affect my budget, it affect my family also. I can't afford to buy the food that they need because I got to put it in gas. In order to pay for gas, groceries, and other essentials, Americans are increasingly turning to credit cards to make ends meet, even though rising interest rates make that debt more expensive. 229 million credit card accounts were opened in the first three months of the year, and the impact of higher prices is hitting retirees especially hard. I never thought at 73 I would be going through you know, making these kinds of choices. Some have even returned to work as living on a fixed income has become more difficult with prices going up. I'm very frustrated because I recently retired and spent a couple of years just building up to paying everything off so I wouldn't be in this fine. 
and now I had to take like a part-time job just to get through. And Joe, today's inflation report is expected to be a key measure of how long the worst of it may last. What is the outlook? What are experts expecting? Savannah, inflation for April could very well plateau or come down. We may have peaked already, perhaps dropping to 8.1%. But listen, that would still be at 40-year highs. Now, hopefully the worst is behind us as the Federal Reserve continues to raise those interest rates, making borrowing money more expensive and cooling off that huge consumer demand that is really driving this inflation, Savannah. All right, JoLynn Kent, important day. Thank you. NBC News, they're trying to make everything seem cool. You heard what she said. Oh. The April, the inflation numbers are going to come out. They're expected to go down, and that's a great sign that we're getting to the end of this. That was on May 12th, May 12th of this year. And some people were griping back then about gas going over $3.50. Isn't it amazing how the normalcy in our lives, the circumstances in which we find ourselves every day, specific to you, mine are specific to me, that where we are on any specific day, we change our mindset. All of a sudden, what was okay yesterday, well, that's not good enough today. We got to stretch it up a bit. In other words, if you don't work in a salary job where you make X number of dollars a month or year or whatever, maybe you get commissions. Uh, Maybe you're an owner of a business. All those things weighed in. When you start looking at the landscape going ahead, You don't know what to resolve to do or not to do the way we used to could. We could look over our shoulders and say, well, look, I did this and it didn't work out. So I'm going to go back and redo that maybe a little bit differently and I'll figure it out. You can't do that anymore because we don't know the circumstances that caused the stuff that we thought was going to be good. It's in our past and it comes from policies that are initiated by our government specifically executive action by President Joe Biden. I mean, this school debt cancellation thing. You're going to hear from Mike Johnson, Congressman, in just a few minutes. We're going to have him on the show. Uh, They're in a big break time, and there are only a few of them in D.C. in the House, and they've got their noses to the grindstone. So we couldn't get him on this week. It'll be on next week. In a minute, you're going to hear him talking about this. Um, everything's relative to your circumstances today. People in the midterms are going to vote directly as a result of their situations, their status, economics on election day. That's how we live our lives. We live based upon what's right in front of our eyes, good or bad. We've got to make daily choices. And so if you can't rely on information that you see right now today, you're looking at it and you can't make a decision on it based. How many of you have changed your economic perspective about some things to do based upon what's happening now in inflation and prices going up on everything, $4, $5 a gallon gasoline? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You got to make your decisions based upon what you're facing today. You can't just hope. Well, you know, uh, I've got a I've got a friend down in Austin, Texas, and I live in Shreveport. I want to I just want to run down there today and take him to lunch. So you do a 600 mile round trip for lunch. Well, guess what? 
lunch today and the trip down there today compared to what it was in the first quarter of this year, oh my gosh, the cost of everything on that trip today probably doubled what it was back in January, February, or March. So you can't make plans. That's what this all boils down to. Americans do not have the luxury to make plans. Now, i got to be honest with you. Our inflation here, when we compare it with other countries in the world, there are a bunch of countries that have worse inflation than we do, but not in any of the countries with which we call commonality, our partners, like the European Union, other countries in the Middle East and Southeast Asia. Among all of those folks, we have the highest inflation rates, regardless of what President Biden tells us. We've presented actual numbers on this show and in our writing at truthnewsnet.org numerous times to show the facts, the facts that come out of his, his Department of Finance, Secretary of the Treasury, is the one who looks at those things and releases them to us. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What can we Americans do about this horror that um, we're living through? And you know what? Surprisingly, really the only two big places where we jump as Americans all over it, we're still on the baby food thing. The shortage, we can't get it. Nobody in the mainstream media is talking about it. A lot of parents just had to change the diets for their infants. That's not a United States normal thing. I believe you'll agree. We have some shortages sometimes, but nothing like this, and nothing in this extended length of time. So who's responsible for all this? Wait a second. These guys don't own waterfront estates in Martha's Vineyard? You're telling me their profit margins are razor thin and they're only making a few cents on every dollar? Am I to believe these gas station owners are struggling just like the rest of us? Could Joe Biden be misleading us about who's responsible for inflation? Let's ask CNN. I think news organizations need to be a lot more forceful here, Brian, in calling out the president when he misleads the public like this. We know gas station owners aren't really the ones uh, running away to the bank when gas prices go up. Um, there have been stories in the past about how uh, low the margin of profit is for gas station owners on the price of fuel. They make their money usually at the convenience stores. Um, but there hasn't been a really aggressive pushback from the president from news organizations. I think um, that needs to change. That's what trying not to get fired from CNN looks like. Sal Rizzovato is a former gas station owner and executive director of New Jersey Gasoline Convenience Association. All right, so what kind of profits are these gas station owners making on, on gasoline? And uh, are they making a lot of serious cash selling Twinkies as well? Uh, they are not making any more today than they were making last month, the month before, or even a year ago. The president's statement is absolutely ridiculous. And in fact, it's so untethered from reality that I'm thinking he had to actually misspeak. Or he really just doesn't have an understanding of how things work. And I was quite frustrated and actually pretty annoyed that he would even make the suggestion 
that it's the corner gas station, the quintessential small business of America that is causing this problem. And I think the best way to make the president understand, if he really doesn't, if he's just trying to find somebody to blame, then nothing's going to work. But I think the best way to make the president understand would be to ask him a question. Mr. President, if you own a gas station and that tank truck comes across your driveway to deliver gasoline today, and that gasoline costs 20 cents a gallon more than it did when you bought it the last time, what should you do with the price on the pump? A, leave it the same. B, lower it because prices are already too high. Or C, raise it so you continue so you can continue to pay your mortgage, the taxes, the utilities, the employees, and your own paycheck so you can pay the mortgage at home. That question, I think, may help clear things up for President Biden. Well, as everybody knows, he had to plagiarize his way through school, so I'm not sure he grasps the concept of supply and demand, but maybe if he hears you, Sal, it'll stick this time. Thank you so much, and good luck out there. And just keep those tycoons in line, okay? We don't want to have to drag you in front of Congress in a gouging investigation. I'll see you in New Jersey. Tucker Carlson, last night, of course, you heard one of those former gas station owners. Those people are blue-collar workers, period. I mean, they're in front of people, face-to-face, over counters, sweeping floors in convenience stores, stocking stores. They're the working people in America. But they work at the grassroots level. Therefore, they know the facts. And especially when you've got an owner, he understands because not only is he looking at and participating in, I'm sure most of these people work their way up through the ranks, getting a job there, getting promotions, and finally getting into management, they end up owning. So they understand the entire process of either just one or a chain of these gas stations. And almost all of them today are hooked together with some type of convenience store. Why is that? You just heard the perfect explanation of how the price of gas at the pump and when it goes up and when it goes down. It's not based upon what they paid for the load that is in the ground that you're pumping today. They're basing it upon what we got to pay next week when they bring it to dump. And so the prices are not going to necessarily be associated or tied to anything specific other than what I've got to pay for it when I get the next big load put in my tanks that I sell to the American people. Joe doesn't understand that. Most people in business do understand that, especially entrepreneurs. But here we have the President of the United States, the most powerful position in any government on the planet. Most of the times, most of the times, what we do is we just forget about the facts Most people do that, that don't know the inner workings of what is happening and how and why these things are figured out. So all they do is listen to the mob. The mob says, well, you've got Joe Biden. He's the head of the mob. 
He's calling all of you that have any disagreement with not just the Democrat Party, but the specific segment of the Democrat Party that Joe Biden walked into from the moderate slot that he lived in for years. He's now in that far left Democrat totalitarian philosophy, whatever you want to call it. So if you disagree with him on anything, if you disagree with AOC, any of those people in the far left, Bernie Sanders, you're an ultra MAGA person. And that is a cowbell that rings so that everybody that knows when they look at you, oh, you're one of those people. Talk about identity politics. Is that not an example of what's going on and what's been going on for a long, long time? It has nothing to do with facts. All it is, is their opinion about you. And the truth never gets factored into that. They're still, people around the United States still think when a gas station one day is selling gas for $3.45 and the very next day it's $3.75, they're gouging, they're gouging. No, the price not at the pump, but the price at the tanker that he's got to pay for a load next week to stay in business, he already knows what it's going to cost him. In fact, they pay, all of these operators pay their distribution company, whoever it is that brings it to them, they pay in advance, most times 10 days in advance. That's the way business works. That's the way tens of millions of Americans live, Mr. President. And instead of spending all your time right now in the White House, back and forth to Delaware and an occasional trip overseas to embarrass the American people, you ought to kind of stick your nose in some economics 101 information to learn a little bit about how capitalism works and why it is the greatest financial system in world history. Figure out why, and then you might understand, Mr. President, what our forefathers already knew because they were in the middle of this uh, developing it on the ground floor for you and me today. Rather than those kind of things, let me tell you what the Biden administration is focused in on. You know that Department of Justice, those brain surgeons there, Oh my gosh, they're so smart. They know everything about intelligence around the world. They know everything about treating people involved in what they do, including those that are dealing with the Federal Bureau of Prisons. I'm talking about inmates. Listen to what your Department of Justice is doing and has been doing. We, the taxpayers, are paying a million and a half dollars so they can implement a transgender programming curriculum. And it's going to work all all across all our federal prisons. So what's in this curriculum? Well, it's still in the works. Details will be finalized by the end of September. And I'm going to quote what they say. It's going to teach, quote, techniques to seek support for mental health concerns and skills to advocate for physical, emotional, and sexual health and safety. Overseeing the program's development? Listen to this. It's a company, a private-owned entity headquartered in Carson City, Nevada. Its name? The Change Companies. The Change Companies. 
So you get that? Since 2008, the change companies has got $3.4 million in awards from the Bureau of Prisons in the states of Nevada, West Virginia, California, and Kansas. The 2021 contract of a million and a half for transgender-specific programming was one of the largest from the federal agency to date. Now, the Bureau of Prisons, they know the importance of appropriate gender-affirming management and treatment of those transgender individuals in its custody. By entering into a contract with the change companies, the Bureau of Prisons is able to expand program offerings for transgender inmates. Now we're getting to the meat of this. I know it's odd to get a story like this on the front end of the show. It really is. But what I did, we talked about Joe Biden opening the show. We talked about his philosophies about inflation and economics. And instead of focusing on those things, economics, law, justice, the different departments in our government that operate on his watch. Instead of concentrating on that, this is what they're doing. This uh, curriculum involves three programs. What do they include? Assistance to help inmates transition back into society. That's benign. They tell us that's what they do it for anyway. Well, they're going to fund a support group addressing re-entry needs and managing identity concerns. The agency said it maintains procurement integrity and compliance with laws and federal regulations when procuring contracts of goods and services. And of course, they claim this contract and them getting the award was right down the line, straight as a string. One thing that was included in just part of one sentence that this money is going to pay for. Gender, biological transitions, sex changes on taxpayer dollars in the Bureau of Prisons. That's more important to people like Joe Biden than what you and I are dealing with in our lives every day. I don't want to minimize the importance of holding people accountable for the crimes that they commit. I don't want to minimize what that means to the people against who they perpetrate their crimes And I know we try to give them a break. Everybody makes a mistake. But then you go all the way in and you begin to look at there is a huge percentage of people that are in prison that they got worse than they were when they went to prison than they were before they got there. Why? Because of the atmosphere of prison. There's so much criminality behind bars across this nation. It's phenomenal. You've seen it in movies. Some of those a little exaggerated, there's no question about it, but it comes from things that are actual. And our government today is more focused on that than they are about getting gas in your gas tank. And of course, any time and every time, while it's still hot, what am I talking about? Gun laws, abortion. Every day, it's almost like these Democrats that love to get in front of the the news media, they can smell it in a room if there's a reporter there. They'll go right to that reporter. They want to talk to them about how horrible conservatives are on guns, on abortion, and Trump not fixing inflation. Yeah, Trump 
not fixing inflation. That's one of the talking points out there now. Yesterday on CNBC Squawk Box, Representative Jake Oshenklaus, a Democrat from Massachusetts, he argued that the Republicans have spent the last six months tying themselves in a knot over guns and abortion and Trump instead of reaching across the table to work with Dems on addressing inflation and high prices. Now, if you've wondered what the philosophy, the, the underwriting philosophy of the left are, this is going to explain it. Here's how the representative answered. Energy, food, housing, these are not monetary phenomena. These are real-world phenomena. And we're going to have to come to geoeconomic and domestic policy solutions to address them as well. But we got to have Republicans come to the table and work with us. What I've heard from Republicans, the rep said, in the last six months, they've been tying themselves in a knot over guns and abortion and Trump instead of reaching across the table and saying, how can we expand housing production and cut red tape? Where does this guy live? I mean, he's from Massachusetts, so you know he's way, 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 way left of left. But did you hear he's blaming the Republicans? If you didn't hear it, let me tell you again. Quote, what I've heard from Republicans in the last six months is them tying themselves in a knot over guns, abortion, and Trump. Instead of reaching across the table and saying, how can we expand housing production and cut red tape? In other words, hey, we've gone, we want to spend some more money, more taxpayer money. We want to throw out there all this money and start some new programs like we need to expand housing production. Like the government should get into housing. The housing that the federal government is involved in across the nation, almost without exception, is broke and it's corrupted. They want more power. And with that, at the federal level of this government, more power, more access, fraud goes through the roof if it isn't already there. And he says, why don't they reach across the aisle? Well, back up from, before that, back up. All we talk about is abortion, guns, and Trump. Guess why? We're responding to them. (laughs) When they start talking about Trump and guns and abortion, and the reason conservatives get in the conversation is to try to make sure that America understands these people are not talking about facts in the most part. They're talking about political partisan thuggery and their perception of what is and what is not okay, like abortion, like gun control. The last, the last big shootings in this country, every one of them in recent history, none of those would have changed with the gun laws that they're beating Americans over the head that they want to pass. The, 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 Chicago shooting, the guy bought five guns in Chicago, Krim. And by the way, he pled guilty to seven first-degree murder charges yesterday. Krim, he bought five guns legally, every one of them legal. And you know what turned up yesterday and they just kind of leaked it to a few media outlets 
the police, they knew Krim was a nut job. And they had been brought in five different times on complaints and never said a word to the FBI. Possible domestic terrorism. The guy, social media was just crazy. It was filled with all kind of anger and hatred. See something, say something. You need more gun laws, gun control laws. Novel idea. I've been saying this about, you want to get rid of criminality? Well, hold people that break the law accountable. That'll get rid of most of it. It's like somebody asked me years ago, do you believe in the death penalty? And I do under certain circumstances. And the guy looked at me and said, I can't believe you you feel that way. Don't you know that you can rehab most everybody in prison in a program that really works well? And it doesn't work with some, but it works with some. We owe it to fellow humans to do that kind of stuff. And you're not going to stop any of the killing by killing this one person. There's no need to even get in that argument with people on the left. If they feel that way, just let them think that. But I couldn't, I couldn't let it go by. And I said, well, it'll stop one person from killing another person. The guy that was going to be executed. Democrats, no surprise. They're in deep, folks. They're in deep. Something slipped out overnight. And I just want to drop this so you know it's out there. That infrastructure law that Joe Biden has been touting, oh my gosh, it's going to change the world. It's going to change every state. People that live out in the sticks are going to have Wi-Fi. (laughs) Well, guess what is buried in the infrastructure law? It raises taxes on a number of commonly used chemicals. So what does that do? It accelerates the cost for consumers nationwide. This newly signed infrastructure package, as it stands, it imposes roughly $13 billion worth of taxes on 42 different chemicals, critical minerals, metallic elements that are all part of building blocks of common household items such as plastic, rubber, concrete, soap, light bulbs, and electronics. In this new law, all these chemical taxes in this new law, guess when it kicked into gear? Seven days ago on July 1st. This bill was signed into law by Joe Biden November of 2021. It reinstated the Superfund chemical excise tax that had been effectively paused under the Trump administration. The Superfund Trust Fund is administered by the Environmental Protection Agency, and finances cleanup and enforcement efforts at environmentally hazardous waste sites around the nation. This reinstated excise tax on these chemicals containing chemical funds, a portion of the Superfund Trust Fund. Now, what does that mean? When you have these environment, like gas stations, you know when you see a C-store close, and you see them come and they break through the concrete where the pumps were, of course they take the pumps out. And they dig and they dig and they get to the tanks and they take them out. And then they do some treatment of the soil out there. That's part of what the Environmental Protection Agency does. And so when they go into a certain area, maybe there's a big, big refinery and they have all kind of oil spills, a big one or whatever. They're going to get fined, whoever owns 
that refinery. They're going to get fined by the federal government. Big bucks because you got to take care of that. It just, all kind of pollution came from oil rolling around on the ground. And so the fines go into the super fund. And that's for cleanup. EPA uh, provided cleanup at a later date. Senator Ted Cruz was joined by John Barrasso, Jim Inhofe, John Kennedy of Louisiana, Pat Toomey of Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, Mike Lee of Utah. And so what they're doing, they're trying to get this law repealed. The White House sold this tax hike and they told us it's going to be good for black Americans. Didn't reveal that they're now going to have to pay higher costs on consumer goods the same as white people will have to pay because we're all buying the same stuff at the same place. A fact sheet comes out of the White House. The Biden-Harris administration advances equity and opportunity for black Americans and communities across the country. Here's what they say it's going to contain. The bipartisan infrastructure law delivered the largest investment in tackling legacy pollution in our history cleaning up Superfund and brownfield sites, reclaiming abandoned mine land, capping orphaned oil and gas wells. More than one in four black Americans live within three miles of a Superfund site, a higher percentage than for Americans overall. So without saying it, what they said in that, that last Senate, did you hear that last one? More than one in four black Americans live within three miles of a Superfund site, a higher percentage than for Americans overall. What does that mean? What does it really mean? What's the purpose for including that? To make anybody that's not black feel guilty, guiltier than you felt before just because you're white. Because you're white, you don't live in that close proximity to any of these abandoned, polluted sites and places. So you're not going to die, but those black people that they live in these poor houses and housing developments that are within, you know, close distance to these uh, hazardous areas, there's nothing they can do because they don't have any money. Politicize everything. Politicize everything possible because that's the only way you keep power. You keep the people fearful of the government. You have a little twinge of that going on in your own mind and heart right now with everything going on. We're hearing about all of these stories where The intelligence agencies since 1958 have been out there doing dirty stuff internationally and in the United States, stuff that has been on the most part illegal all the way back to 1958. So you ask the question, what are they doing now? If they did all of this in 1958 in the 60s and the 70s, 80s, It's been going on for a long time. What do we know? Processes are still going on. What do we not know? What processes in our government are not going on? The answer? Don't have a clue. And the federal government, especially this administration, the Biden administration, they love it that way and they plan to keep it that way. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom. Close Encounters of the Third 
For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? And what about this? Yes. Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes! M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 Max. Wee, wee, wee! Max, Yeah? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. You know, I just thought I just thought of this during the break. We we talk about spin. You just heard Pete Moss reference spin. Spin is a uh, it's actually an art form. Somebody that can figure out how to take something that it's the truth, but we can't let that get out there. So we have to kind of spin it around and give a different perspective than the just cold hard facts that are contained within it. Spin. That's what's happening now. Talking about President Biden and spin. Honestly, I don't think the stuff that we hear coming from this president that is just egregious. It doesn't make any sense. It's backwards. We're certain much of it is not truthful. I think the problem is, you wouldn't see this from a Barack Obama or George W. Bush. I know he got slammed for being slow, but he wasn't. He was Southern. And you certainly wouldn't see her any of this from Donald Trump. Why is it happening on the Joe Biden watch? Honestly, I think Joe doesn't understand. I think Joe doesn't see it. I think Joe looks at something and instead of looking at it entirely like opening the cover of the book and reading to get facts, he relies on Ron Klain or somebody else in the White House, somebody that's in his ear all day, every day. And because of Joe's very obvious cognitive decline, he has to rely on people to see about keeping him on the right path, which they cannot do anytime he opens his mouth. I think, in some ways, I really feel sorry for Joe. So what is he doing now? 
I, I don't understand why he's in the process of doing what I'm going to tell you about now. We mentioned it the other day. But the Biden administration announced they're going to finish sections of Trump's border wall in California. And that they're going to close Friendship Park, one of the only points where separated U.S. and Mexican families can see and touch each other. They've approved a Trump era project, finishing a section of the wall in the westernmost point of the U.S. along the border with Mexico in deep, deep Southern California. So completing this project is going to lead to the permanent closure of the U.S. side of Friendship Park, which is a binational spot between San Diego and Tijuana where separated families could meet and touch without a wall between them. DHS Secretary, the Wizard of Immigration, Alejandro Mayorkas, he approved the designs which were initially authorized by the Trump administration way back in fiscal year 2018. So here's what they tell us. This project is going to replace existing barriers, two 30-foot walls across that park. And these style walls started being added to the park during the Trump administration, but are going to be further extended throughout the park. And so we go through all of this stuff, and now we're going to get, here is the quote from the experts on this particular process. Quote, U.S. Border Patrol says they're just replacing walls at Friendship Park, but the proposed construction amounts to a permanent closure of the U.S. side of this historic location. This is from John Fanestel. He further condemned the president and the project his administration approved. Joe Biden should not be putting the finishing touches on Donald Trump's border wall at Friendship Park. Plans they have right now don't include an entrance for pedestrians on the secondary wall, meaning that while people on the Mexico side can get to the park, the U.S. side, they're no longer going to be accessible to people wishing to meet up with those on the southern side of the U.S.-Mexico border. So why, why are they doing this? It's not, gonna, it's not even going to enable what the whole process was when you guys came up with Friendship Park. You're still going to keep them separate. They won't be together. Why did Joe Biden, why did his administration, why did Alejandro Mayorkas do this? There's only one reason. They certainly didn't want it. They didn't want anything to do with the Trump wall, even though Democrats in Congress voted to fund it. There's only one reason. They're scared. They are scared of you. They're scared of me. Mayorkas, he's looking down a 12-gauge double-barrel shotgun that's got two buckshot slugs in the barrels, and he sees them coming at him. He knows Americans have been awakened by all of this egregious immigration stuff. It's not even immigration. It's just illegally trespassing, permanently coming into our nation. In the millions... And it's being allowed by this administration. All of a sudden, they see the tide is turning and they're really in deep trouble. And right now, I think they don't see any way out. I can see, now remember, DHS, Homeland Security, their headquarters is in Washington. 
Mayorkas is there. A lot of people just in their minds think he's always down at the southern border. He always, he very seldom goes. Border Patrol people can't stand him down there. He never gets even a, a cordial hello when he goes and meets with them. So he doesn't go down there very much. But guess where he goes all the time? The White House. He and Joe get nose to nose. And somewhere in that nose to nose, I can envision a conversation that might go something like this. Mr. President, I'm with you on immigration. You know I'm an immigrant. I'm a, I am an, a legal immigrant. My family, we were all legal. Best thing that could ever happen to us. It's been good to me. The United States has been good to me. And I know we both agree. We want to give these same opportunities to all these immigrants that all they want is a better life. And Joe says, okay, so what do you want me to do? What do you want me to sign? Well, I don't know if you've seen this, Mr. President, but the tide of the tide of uh, support for our process to build the immigrant population in the United States, even using illegals, so we can work on getting a path to citizenship, so we can get them registered to vote and make sure they all vote Democrat. I know that's what our target is. But it looks like we may have a problem in the midterms if we lose control of the House or the Senate, and we may lose them both. We got we to gotta get on damage control. I can see that conversation happen. I don't see Joe getting in the middle of it talking about the wall and doing what they're doing with Friendship Park. I, I can't see him going down to that level. He doesn't have the cognitive ability to talk about details. But what he does, and I'm not guessing now what this president does is he sticks his nose in things he shouldn't be involved in all the time every day because he knows only from the political perspective and that if an elected official at any level is not out there talking to his or her people about what they're doing and convincing those voters that we're doing the right job because we're doing the right job for you, the American voter. He gets that side of it. Where there's a detachment is putting that together with facts, with facts, with details of laws and executive orders. When Mike Johnson comes on with us next week, one of the things he and I are going to talk about that have been troubling me, we've talked about it here I've even had several of you call in about it, is how can Joe Biden, just with a pen and a piece of paper, sign a blank check for billions of dollars? A president. All the money stuff, the capital process for the United States government, by constitutional law, goes through the U.S. House of Representatives. Presidents and executive action is not a constitutional action. How can Joe Biden, just on a whim, a political whim, cancel all this student debt. Where does he get that authority and what can be done about it? Where does Joe Biden get the authority he and Alejandro Mayorkas have done, which is open up our southern borders and let illegals come in here again by the millions? Where do they get that authority? Where does any president get that authority? Because All of that stuff at the southern border is governed by federal law, immigration laws, and they're thumbing their noses at it. They've created a perfect storm for themselves. And it's not 
looking good for them, and subsequently, it's not looking good for the American people. It's really not. I don't know. Biden may last through this administration. It may last to its end with Biden at the helm. I can see him stepping down and using some kind of medical excuse or whatever. But I think why that now more than ever, when I see her open her mouth at a public entity, some kind of meeting, a press conference, a speech or whatever, more and more I see and the American people see she can't do it. She don't have it. And they're looking at Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Can we survive either of those? And if we can, how? (laughs) Oh my gosh, how could we do that? It's a bad situation we're in. And so every time we bring this up, I get text. I've got seven texts at the bottom of my iMac since I've started this segment talking about this. I'm not going to look at them right now. I'll look at them in the next break. But Americans are saying, what the heck is going on? What's our government doing? I don't know if you were here a couple of weeks ago. Mike Johnson, he he was in the House Judiciary Committee hearing. They were talking to several people that work in the uh, Department of Homeland Security Border Patrol with Mayorkas. And when I was putting this particular segment together last night, I thought about this, this conversation that took place and what came out of it at the end. If you didn't hear it before, get ready. You're going to like it. If you heard it before, this will give you a little chance to get more of the details of it. I, I want to ask you a question of what my constituents asked me. Could the Democrats in charge, and certainly Democrats here with jurisdiction over the border, could they really be in favor of an open border? And I, I'm, I, I'm asking you honestly and in good faith. What yeah. is the purpose? Well, I, the would gentleman, yeah. I would love to hear your explanation on this. I personally, and I think I speak for most of my party, I believe that um, we ought to have an orderly system uh, where uh, people who enter the United States do so Uh, in an approved manner, uh, and that we have a system, including the court system, that is orderly and well-administered. I think part of that is having a system that works, uh, that is functional, which is far from the existing legal system, and we have have been um, unsuccessful, even though we've come close from time to time, in actually updating the immigration laws. I mean, we're basically following the structure that was devised in 1965, and it does not well meet the needs of American business or American families, and that has contributed to the disorder, which I think all of us would like to fix. I appreciate it. I got to move quickly because I don't have that much time, but isn't having a secure border the first and essential component to having a system that works? I'll tell you this, we now spend more on immigration enforcement than all other federal law enforcement combined. Well, it's not and being used to secure Demo- the border. Democrats have voted for that repeatedly, as have Republicans. I don't mean to say it's only Democrats <clears throat> who have voted for that money for enforcement. Ms. Locker, I've got to use my time. I appreciate um, that. But, I mean, clearly, whatever the investment is, it is not securing the border. Can I ask, Mr. Chairman, you're from New York. 
Thanks to New York City's Council, um, beginning January 9th, 2023, more than 800,000 non-citizens will be eligible to vote in municipal elections in New York. Is that, do you agree with that policy? No, nor, uh, non-citizens will not be eligible to, to vote in New York. They never have been, well, they, they were prior, in the 19th century eligible to vote in New York. Well, no, this is and a the, recent action. It was just no, passed in no, December. No, that, that, that is not correct. Uh, Non-citizens uh, have not been eligible to vote in New York or for, as far as I know in any other state uh, since the 19th century. That's not true. The New York City Council voted in December to allow this. It begins January 9, 2023. Cities in Vermont and Maryland already allow this and similar measures are under consideration in Illinois, Maine, and, and uh, Massachusetts right now. If the gentleman will yield? Yes. Uh, I believe those are um, considerations of allowing votes in municipal elections only. Right, but, but th th thank you, that's the point. <laughs> Everybody wants to know at home, why would they allow this? Guys, they're allowing it because they're gonna turn them into voters. They already are doing this in New York City, largest city in America, and this is the plan of our friends on this side to turn all the illegals into voters. That's it, folks. That's what's going on. That's the game. That's why the border's open. That's why they've dropped it. Look, I, I respect Ms. Lofgren yield? and all her work in this arena. Yes, I'll, I'll yield, Mr. Chairman. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. As a New Yorker, I would love to think that New York is the entire country, but it is not. <laughs> it is not, and consideration is being given to uh, uh, permitting uh, non-citizens to vote in New York, and I believe in, uh, in uh, the capital city of Vermont. I forget which that is. Uh, but it, as, lo, as much as I'd like to believe it, New York and Vermont are not the entire country. But Mr. Chairman, that's the whole point. This is what's going on, folks, at home. If you're trying to figure this out, if you're scratching your heads, you're seeing the video, you see droves of people, 2.4 million people coming over the border illegally, the president allowing, the Democrats in charge of Congress are allowing it, the deal is they're gonna turn them into voters. You just heard it. They don't have any problem with that, they celebrate it. Here's the deal. We have a problem with it. The Constitution has a problem with it. American elections should be decided by American citizens. That's it. That's what, that's what this is about. That's why we're jumping up and down and screaming, my friends on the video who are commenting about this. That's why we're so upset, because our constituents are, 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 are frightened that we are losing our country. We're losing our security, we're losing our sovereignty, because we're gonna allow people from 160 different countries around the world to come in here and decide our elections. That's it, here it is on record, you all heard it. I'm out of time, I yield back. It's interesting. Of course, the facts that Congressman Johnson brought out there, it's interesting that the chairman of the Judiciary Committee in the House of Representatives, Gerald Nadler, at the beginning of that, when Mike Johnson talked about illegals being given the right to vote in New York City, Nadler, who lives in New York City, he represents New York City, the Upper West Side, which is wealthy New York City, this is a guy that is chair of one of the most powerful committees in the House of Representatives. He's been in Congress for decades. He did not even know that his own city had already passed and it was signed into law by a previous mayor, Bill de Blasio, that illegals would be able to vote starting next year. Nadler didn't even know about it. How much of this kind of stuff, the very important things, think about it. I know there are some places in California where illegals are given driver's license, and we all know, oh my gosh, there are an uncountable amount of illegals 
that got voting status and have been voting in some elections. Now, I'll take that company line from all of those that still say the 2020 election was not, there was not corruption. (laughs) Maybe, and this is what they all say when you question, oh, but in response, they'll say, oh, but there wasn't enough. We know there wasn't enough to overturn the results of the election. They have no idea. We don't have any idea. I know that that kind of stuff is happening. But listen, there are some good things that go with being a citizen of a country, living in a specific state. And the good thing about America is you get to choose where you want to live. You've got 50 choices and some territories. Some places fit your way of life, some don't, but you can choose where you want to go. There's a price to pay for that. Yeah, you and I were lucky. We were born into it. Not everybody is. But look how many billion people live on the planet. There's only about 330 million of us that have that are breathing today in the United States that we had that opportunity. Joe Biden, Jerry Nadler, most of the people in the Biden cabinet and the Biden administration, they want to just open up the gates certainly don't want to put up any new parts of Trump's border wall. In fact, they want to tear down the other ones. And they're doing it to let people in. And we know their end, you just heard it. And they admitted it. Democrats admitted it in that committee hearing. It's about turning people into voters. I understand it. I don't like it, but I do understand it. And you know what's happening around, you look around your life, you look around your city, your town, look around the nation, people you know, you probably have relatives that live in other parts of the U.S. Look at what's happening around there. Let me tell you, overriding all of it, this past weekend, it really kind of illustrated it with everything that went on in the July 4th weekend, the hashtag It began trending on Twitter this weekend. Hashtag impeach Joe Biden. There appeared to be no illegal acts cited as a basis for their cries for impeachment. Instead, people were reacting to this tweet. Former senior Obama advisor David Axelrod to Jake Tapper of CNN. Things in the country are out of control. And Biden is not in command. That came from David Axelrod, probably one of the furthest left um, allies, and uh, I think he held an unofficial place in the Obama government. This coming out of his mouth, it was shocking. Of course, Americans are furious. We're despondent. We're fed up with Biden. Most Americans agree now, in large part, We agree with David Axelrod. The country has gone off the rails. And our president, he seems utterly incapable of fixing what's wrong. And I'm not even sure he wants to, if he understands it. That's not to say that Biden isn't making history. He's causing a series of firsts, including some of the worst presidential approval ratings ever, the worst consumer sentiment ever, the worst bond market ever, in modern times, and the worst ever small business pessimism about the future, worse than ever. 
Can it get worse? <laughs> yeah, you bet it can. The economy is still slumping. COVID confusion reigns. High energy prices are raising the cost of everything. You fly somewhere lately? Oh my gosh. Air travel is a disaster. If you can get on a plane and get the plane to take off to go where you want to, you're in the minority now. The chaos at the border, it's about to get even worse. Crime surging across the nation, and we remain disastrously low on baby formula. All this is happening. It's a perfect storm happening at the same time. When even Democrats, they're deciding Biden can't cut it. Let's start with the economy. Even as Biden idiotically continues to push his accomplishments of his economic agenda, we're sliding into recession, and they, reporters, they won't use the R word as a thing that we're probably in the middle of already, even though they don't say it. We're already there, folks. Private firms like Global market intelligence, tracking groups like the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta are forecasting economic activity dropped in the second quarter, didn't give us numbers yet, following a pullback in the first three months of the year. A slump would technically put us in recession. You and me, what do we think about all this? Our sentiment hits the worst level ever recorded. University of Michigan reported that occurred in June and it impacts spending, which sure enough slowed significantly when we got the numbers out in May, for May. Got those numbers a few weeks ago. Specifically, consumer outlays, that accounts for about 70% of our economy. It dropped half a point in May and that's adjusted for inflation. It's not surprising. I mean, you've lived through it. I've lived through it. I'm surprised it's not worse than it really is. A recent report showed that after-tax incomes, also inflation-adjusted, fell again in May. Consumer incomes are not keeping pace with the cost of everything. People are having to dig in and exhaust their savings. And as you heard a little bit earlier, taking out credit cards, 2.9 million credit cards issued last year. New accounts, brand new accounts. Our job market, which to be honest with you, that's kind of the only star in the Biden administration. It's growing. It rose 231,750 last week. That's the highest level since December. In the tech sector, companies that had been on a multi-year hiring spree like Meta, the parent of Facebook, They suddenly switched gears. They announced layoffs. Big retailers like Target or Bed Bath & Beyond, they reported disappointing sales, and therefore their inventories are going up and up and up. We'll inevitably trim workers as they try and struggle to rein in their higher cost. There's always the stock market, though, right? Stock markets have had their worst first six months in 1970. You wouldn't know that if you listened to Joe Biden. The S&P 5,000 down by nearly 21%. Bond markets by early May had suffered the worst losses since 1842. Bitcoin came unglued as well. It dropped 60% in value since the end of March. You and me, we're getting poorer. 
Losses are likely to continue as analysts downgrade their forecast. Not trying to paint gloom and doom, I'm trying to tell you. This is what even Democrats are talking about. And it's not just our economy that's heading south. Over one of the busiest travel weekends of the year, July 4th, every week, every year, airlines crushed holiday plans for many of us. How'd they do it? Canceling thousands of flights. Delta pilots, they're emboldened by tight labor markets and Joe Biden's enthusiasm for labor, protested for higher pay over this past weekend. Word that Americans had just given their pilots a 17% pay hike? What does that mean? (laughs) Your ticket price is going to go up again. Meanwhile, Dr. Transportation, Dr. Pete Buttigieg, he's missing. He's nowhere to be seen. And that seems to be habitual for the Transportation Secretary, especially at critical moments. Remember the very beginning of the Biden administration, Buttigieg took months of parental leave off at the height of the supply chain disasters, the Transportation Secretary. Even Democrats are screaming for action. People who their flights were canceled could have driven to their destinations instead. Of course, those unlucky souls would have confronted near $5 gallon gas prices, which then the president and his advisors have said was the cost of preserving the world liberal order. Frustrated Americans, many of are confused. They elected Biden to be their president, not a globe-trotting ambassador of any sort of world order, liberal or otherwise. They just want everything to work. They want our economy back. They want our supply chains back. They want our foreign policy back. They want the cost for stuff, low cost, back. That's what we want. That's what we expect. But more importantly, that's what we had. This president, who would have thought that he could could take us down so far I mean, we're way, way, way aware we were before the 2020 election. Everything's more expensive. Income down. People losing big paying jobs. Everything costs more if you can get your hands around it. Leaders around the world, they laugh at us. We're a laughing stock of the world now. Not just around us. I don't see it getting any better for a while unless somebody turns the light bulb on in Biden's head. And you know what? I'm not even sure he would recognize that. And even if he did, I don't think he can figure out how to make any of these changes and make them work in his administration. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Dear Daddy. Dear Mom. I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at SnowballExpress.org. Northern Tool and Equipment. My. 
girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle? out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Telling the truth, the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network. Again, here's Dan. Well, it's interesting to watch everybody try to get on stage, get on the phone, get in a meeting and determine who's got the biggest one. I'm not talking about what you thought. I'm talking about people in politics talking about their big accomplishments. They're fighting. People in blue states, they're looking at their leadership in blue states, and I'm talking about some really big states. They're just not doing good. And yet they keep trying to sell that lie to their voters. And none of it's true. It just blows my mind how voters let that continue to happen. I mean, you do realize Joe Biden was elected. We're two years away from that. A lot of things have happened in the last two years. And we've got an election coming up in the midterms. If this midterm election doesn't change the direction of the ship called USA, if we don't see the changes and those that make those decisions for leadership changes and policy changes and what to do about all of these things we're talking about on the show almost every day, things that are really tearing the American people's lives apart. If that doesn't happen in November, Katie, bar the door. Americans are going to go crazy. You know why? Because this is a thing, a path that Joe Biden has put us on. It's not going to be easy to turn it in the first place. This is a big ship. And when you get out in the water, those big ships, it takes a long time and a big piece of water property to turn in. Slow, steady. It takes a whole lot less time to destroy something than it does to build something, which is what happened in the previous four years before this administration. And all these leaders at the state levels, especially the blue states. Which states am I talking about? Of course, you know, California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, all of these leaders, they're doubling and tripling down on stupid decisions about stupid policies. And they either feel and think and are certain that the American people don't understand what's going on. Either that or we're too stupid to understand what's going on. Second thing, or they don't care. And either one of those, it's not a good thing to be looking at, is it? Joe Biden, what his actions are doing, and this is a scary thing to me, it's making the radical left in Congress gain more and more power. Because all of those people's, Democrats, other even further left of the uh, 
of the Democrats, they're feeling a sense of our future with all of their policies. And more and more people on the left now, maybe they're moderates originally, but they're leaning further left. And every time they see this president do stuff or not do stuff that he promised to do, and anything that has to do with the green new energy programs, when this president doesn't give them what they want, they're getting more and more power. And when they're watching the guy that heads the nation look worse and worse and worse, and the support for him from the American people continued to decline. You know, 88% of Americans think the government is not on the right path. 88%. So it can't be all Republicans. There aren't that many Republicans in the nation. That means Democrats, a lot of these people I'm talking about, they're coming aboard and they want Joe to go. We want Joe to go so we can move the pendulum back to the middle and get back to life in the nation being governed by the people for the people. That's what we want. We want the people to be in charge of making these decisions. So this radical left, this week they have gotten more impatient with Joe Biden, publicly now criticizing him for his moderate and his timid leadership, they call it. They've aired their grievances that Biden isn't acting with or even capable of the urgency that the moment demands. They want to reshape the nation, and they're feeling more and more like he's not the person. Rudderless, aimless, and hopeless. That's what one member of Congress described to the White House on CNN. Camille Rivera, who's a Democrat strategist, said that Biden is missing an opportunity to change America. I think he's changing it. I think he's he's doing it. It may not be what they want him to do, but he sure as heck is changing the country. He's missing the boat here, she said. This is our time to dig in and be absolutely furious because these one-half measures aren't working. He's got a real excitability problem. It's unclear what Democrats believe Biden can do without action from the Democrat-controlled Congress. Another Democrat consultant, Adam Gentleson, told the Washington Post that Biden is not filling the leadership vacuum. I wonder if these people are just now discovering it. Point back to when he served 40 years in the U.S. Senate. He pontificated all the time. He is a great speaker, or was. And we played you example after example of his speeches in which he just bundled up a bunch of lies every time. And every speech had one particular objective in mind. He would go through the various issues that were issues of the day to make himself seem, you know, I'm right here. I'm right on top of all of this. I know what's going on. And then he would launch just as he does today when he is in front of a television camera If he stays on script with the teleprompter, he's going to be okay. Not great, but okay. But that's not who Joe Biden is. He gets out and freelances, and he's in la-la land. There's a leadership vacuum right now, Gentleson said. He's not filling it. I sympathize with the argument. There's very little they can do legislatively. But in moments of crisis, every president is called upon to be a leader. When people feel scared and angry and outraged, 
They look at him for that. There's no there there. A third Democrat strategist. Now, think about this. We've just, we're quoting the third of three Democrat strategists that you would think somebody in that group would be kind of all in for Biden and, oh, oh, give him a chance. He's working hard, but the Republicans in Congress won't work. We're not even hearing that. A third strategist vented that Biden's inaction is frustrating. It's infuriating. Our house is on fire. It seems like they're doing nothing to put the fire out. They're just watching it with the rest of us. Politico said, Biden and Democrats need a vibe shift fast. They want the POTUS to reflect their anger and angst. They want him to project strength and that he has a plan for meaningful action. They want him to pick fights at the right time with the right opponents, messaging on themes that get reinforced time and again. None of his messaging, none, ever launches anything other than another big government dollar and cent giveaway. But when it comes to issues that are important to us, I'm talking about kitchen issues, the ones that happen where we live. He won't talk about them. And even if somebody asks him a question or he answers a question and they've asked him something specific about ordinary life for Americans, he as quickly as possible gets off that tack. And what he does, he has a propensity to compare it to his dead son, Bo, and what Bo went through and how the Biden family lived with that. And they know all about the problems we're going through. All of them, they know all about it. But what's scaring these far lefties is they can't point to any place in America where somebody who is like-minded with them that's in government, where they've been successful. There aren't any out there. And as a matter of fact, even if you go back and call what they're pushing for just a light version of real socialism, you can't point to another country in world history that has adopted and lived with that, that made it through and is still in existence. There aren't any. They don't work. That policy does not work. So how do these hardcore sycophants in the nation, how can they get around a table and reason that what they're doing and what they want to do and want Joe Biden to do as the captain of the ship, none of it has a historical positive that they can point to and say, here's how so-and-so did it. There's not one. And I promise you, there's not enough people on the planet that can get together and come up with a surefire, better place to go than where we are at now if it includes hardcore leftist policies at every level. That's not going to be a sellable item. What Joe and what he was supposed to do was maintain and get us through this. And then he was going to not step down. He was probably not going to run for a second term. I don't think he will now. I think this is just something he has to do for the party. And he thinks that's what it's for. They want him to say, I'm not running. So they can begin their process of finding who they're going to run in 2024. It's all about politics. It's all about perspective. The Democrats, the hardcore leftists, everything they do, it's about symbolism. 
It's about, it's not about facts. It's about the way things look and sound and how good they are at selling you on something that is not in the long term going to prove out to be right and work. We can point to numerous places in the past here and in other nations where it hasn't worked. Why in the world would we think this president and this administration could put that kind of puzzle together effectively and make it work? It won't happen. And they're now understanding that. And they're scared, as they should be. They should be. And when you have these Democrat Party experts the people that put it all together, make it all work all the time. And they're in unison saying, it ain't working, he's not doing it, and he can't do it. And there's something that they're actually saying that I think is shocking. It really is, in light of what I've grown up in and grown up with, coming from the far left. So as this mess with Hunter Biden keeps going, more and more comes to light. Guess what we found out overnight? The Department of Justice has been surveilling Hunter Biden and they've been doing to to come up with his ties with Chinese big shots. Paul Sperry, a reporter for Real Clear Investigations, tweeted that U.S. counterintelligence officials told him about coming under surveillance and looking into Hunter and looking into his contacts and his business deals in China. You know, we were told before, oh, it's a a tax thing, the IRS. They're looking into his financial operations and there are some noted irregularities, yada, yada, yada. That's what it's about. That's not what it's about. This is not the first time that the issue of Hunter and his connections to China have made headlines either. Donald Trump, he actually claimed that the Biden family had suspicious ties to China in 2019. Specifically, Trump talked about Hunter Biden using his position of influence to get financial backing of China for his investment company. But at the time, Trump provided no evidence of his claims. Many just dismissed it. But since the contents of the laptop have been discovered by the Post and put it out there, the connection between Biden and China looks like there's some real evidence behind it now. It's become clearer that the entire Biden family, the Biden family syndicate, has strong ties to China and Chinese business and have profited from the connection. The Biden family's done five deals in China totaling $31 million. That doesn't seem like a lot of money for a big political family, does it? Thirty-one. It's just $31 million. It was arranged by individuals who have those direct ties to Chinese communist government intelligence. Some reaching the very top of China's spy agency. This is from the New York Post. Indeed, every known deal that the Biden family enjoyed with Beijing was reached courtesy of individuals that had ties with spies. And Joe Biden personally benefited from his family's foreign deals. These deals have been going on for years, it looks like. When Joe Biden was vice president under Obama, 
Hunter tagged along with him on a trip to China, 2013. While Joe was working on the tensions in the South China Sea, guess what Hunter was doing? He paid a visit to Jonathan Lee, who's a Chinese financier who ran the private equity fund Bohai Capital. Ten days later, Chinese business licensed Bohai Harvest, a brand new company which would invest Chinese cash in projects outside the country that Hunter Biden had been trying to launch for more than a year. It was approved by Chinese officials. So almost every week, more and more of these connections between Hunter and China have been popping up. Seems to be a clear indication the Biden family has immensely profited from their business deals in China. Hunter's laptop, it continues to provide more and more evidence of the connections in China that have helped along the way. Hunter's hard drive, it contained an enviable lineup of contacts for top U.S. officials. And these officials are the ones that are overseeing the U.S.-China relationship. And at least 10 senior Google executives. Now we've got new questions about the extent to which Biden's well-connected son, Hunter, could have leveraged any of this, his connections for personal profit for himself and their entire family. But now, it's landed Hunter in a tough spot as the security concerns surrounding those connections and business practices are raising some questions. So you can bet there's a big-time investigation underway by the Department of Justice, and I'm just like you. The questions immediately pop up. Do you think the president is going to let Merrick Garland, the attorney general, investigate his son and for there to come anything out of it bad? Especially if it's going to implicate the president of the United States, who's already been implicated. Joe's only hope, Hunter's only hope, is that the midterms don't flip. Either House of Congress flips. Because if it does, the truth is going to come out, I promise you, in glaring detail across the nation and the world about whatever wrongdoing there is. And there is wrongdoing. Do you get me? There is wrongdoing. One of the biggest and most obvious things is Biden has been screaming and hollering and bragging to all Americans about I'm taking money out of our strategic petroleum reserves and I'm selling that so that we can put it in play in the United States and the supply will go up and the prices will come down. I'm doing it. Millions of barrels, he said. I've been doing it. And then it comes out yesterday. At the same time, he took 5 million barrels from the strategic oil reserves and sold it to China. Does that set off an alarm bell in your mind at all? China, they're a massive user, a massive user of oil, and they can't get enough. They got to go anywhere and everywhere that they can to find it. So a real president, let me just say this. Tell me, if Donald Trump was president and Trump did that, if he took 5 million reserve barrels of oil and he let it go, 
Do you think anything would come of that? Do you think the January 6th committee would have just kind of rolled up and said, hey, we're going to add something to our agenda. Look what he did. Talking about Trump. They'd have run him out of Washington, D.C. Nobody's talking about Joe doing this. And our oil problem, regardless of the price of gas at the pump going down a few cents, going in the right direction at least, we're a long way from getting this fixed. And he's giving five million barrels of oil to China and a couple of other countries over there. One of the things we will talk with Mike Johnson about is where, oh, where is Biden getting the authority to give away all this money, spend all this money without congressional approval? Because that, according to my understanding of the U.S. Constitution, and I've read it ad nauseum, none of that falls under the purview of whoever's in the White House. If it involves money, that means it involves the U.S. Congress canceling debt, billions of dollars, giving away American oil that we own, sending it overseas, selling it, which I'm sure he is. I wonder what happens with the profits from that because I'm sure you remember that Donald Trump, he got blasted because when the price of oil went way, 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 way down, under $20, he said, let's go. He went to Congress. There's a difference. He said, let's go buy as much of that oil as we can get and put it in our strategic oil preserve. And you know why he wanted to do that? Because that oil preserve had been deleted. It was almost all gone. Why? Who spent that? Who did that? Barack Obama and Joe Biden. So they replenished our strategic oil preserve, playing, paying way, 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 way less for oil than we're paying right now. You know, we're down at the $100 a barrel mark. They were buying it back then for $20 a barrel. Think about the money that Biden is making selling that based upon the price of oil around the world right now. Americans should be making that, don't you think? I think they should. Wow. How bad is it? What states are doing well? What states are struggling? Who's going to make it through and who's going to lose it? What about leadership at the state level? Who's got their stuff together and who doesn't? There are some obvious ones that you can point to, but there are a few other ones that are kind of questionable. You're going to hear Stuart Varney at Fox Business. He's going to break it down. The difference between red and blue states and governing of red and blue states and policies and the people in red and blue states. Stuart Varney, Fox Business is up next at TNN Live. Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. We may not.
not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, buy two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. In the wake of all this stuff, the problems that you and I are having at the pump, at the grocery store, trying to get on airplanes or whatever, you wonder about leadership. Why haven't we seen any real attempts to get America back on the right track regarding all this? I haven't, I haven't seen anybody. Do you remember some of the early days of the Trump administration? He immediately, he immediately began to go to Congress He did some things with executive orders, but he did things that made economic sense that were economic choices and decisions. We're not seeing that at all in the Biden administration. And we touted during the election of 2016, during the campaign and all the way back in 2015, we very specifically pointed out the differences between, there were a lot of differences, but the chief differences between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. The biggest one was Hillary didn't have a clue about the private sector, didn't know anything about living a life in the United States without being surrounded and immersed continually 24-7 in political matters totally. Never made a payroll. Never had to work worry about budgets and not having money to put food on the table. The American people saw that. They knew that. I mean, after all, the Clintons, everybody knows about the Clintons, Bill and Hillary. They've been around forever. And they've never made any great achievements, but they have been involved in all kinds of underhanded activities. Several of them have been caught on, but a huge majority, they have not. Well, I suspect they were caught, but they got away with it. Still looking to do that. But nevertheless, when it came to the 2016 election, Americans saw, here's a guy that he's not a politician. He doesn't have a political background. We don't trust politics. You know that the uh, the approval ratings of Congress are always perpetually under 10%. So a guy comes in that's not a politician, has no political background, and many of the things that he says are diametric to what's going on already in the Democrats in the Obama administration, him and Joe in there for eight years, and look what they did. Now, I would love somebody to come on the show and argue with me about the good that the Obama's, uh, the Obama administration did compared to the good that happened in the Trump administration, but nevertheless, that's another day. Trump talked a big game. Trump brought a big game, made promises, 
fulfilled the promises? Who benefited? Everybody from the top to the bottom of the economic chain in the United States of America. Everybody got tax release. When Congress was looking at all of those changes to make regarding spending money, well, Donald Trump didn't talk about a lot about that, did he? What he talked about was finding ways to assist the American people economically. Getting better jobs, getting more jobs, getting employers involved at making circumstances better for their employees, cutting taxes. Oh my gosh, cutting taxes. They screamed and holler and said, we won't be able to pay. If you do that, government revenue is going to go way, way down. You give these big, massive tax cuts to these Americans, they're just going to blow it, and the government won't have any money to operate. Every year of the Trump administration, the federal government, even with those massive tax cuts, federal government got more money than ever before. And the bells begin to go off in everybody's heads. This guy gets it. He knows what he's talking about. He's not politically pontificating. He's giving us facts. He knows. He's made payrolls. He's opened new businesses. He's lost businesses. He's been very successful, but he failed when he was trying to do something that didn't work out. Kind of like a normal day in the life of almost every American. We don't always get exactly what we want when we think we're doing everything necessary to get it. You know what I'm talking about. So, Donald Trump, he put big bullseyes on the heads of the governors of the bluest states in the nation. And he predicted that if he was not reelected, now this was not in the 2016 campaign, this was after. But when reelection talks began, and he, he was very obviously going to run for a second term, he put bullseyes on these governors' foreheads because they were not making decisions that were best for the people in their states. And he warned you and I, you all are going to pay the price for that. Stuart Varney weighed in with some facts and some comparisons. How many times have we said this? By almost every measure, red states run by Republicans beat blue states run by Democrats. Well, it's now official. Moody's Analytics has crunched the numbers. The red states win is dramatic. 11 of the 15 best performers were run by Republicans. Eight of the 10 worst states were run by Democrats. The biggest winners were Florida, Texas, and North Carolina. The losers, California, New York, Illinois. Strange, isn't it, that the governor of California thinks his performance makes him presidential material. Gavin Newsom's ad, which ran in Florida, says, join us in California where we still believe in freedom, end quote. And the governor of Illinois, billionaire Democrat J.B. Pritzker, is also now considered a possible White House contender. All right, let's move on. How come the red states are winning? Well, first, look at the response to COVID. Democrats, oh, they just love those masks, vax mandates, social distancing, and remote learning in schools. And they kept all the restrictions in place as long as possible. No wonder so many people chose freedom for themselves and their children and got out. Don't forget taxes. In the 10 states that lost the most people, the average state income tax was 8%. There is no state income tax in Florida, Texas, Tennessee, or Nevada. What Moody's is describing is the biggest shift in people and money in at least a generation. 
And in my opinion, policy is at the heart of it. Democrats are top-down authoritarians. Do this, do that, pay more tax and shut up. No wonder they're losing. And it takes a Brit, who's now an American citizen, I'm talking about Stuart Warren, but it takes him to come in and paint the picture and just point to the very obvious. Look at California. They're very quick to tell us they have a huge budget. Uh, If you rank our economy to other countries around the world, we're in the top 10. Hey, hey, hey. They're so corrupt in their political structure, their politicians. They are so egregious on everything they do for residents, for citizens of the state, for businesses in the state. And during the pandemic, they were incorrigible. I mean, Gavin Newsom, he just locked everybody down. Just as an aside here, Gavin yesterday got caught. He got busted again. Well, you remember when he went to that real exclusive restaurant outside of San Francisco right after he put in the everybody got to wear a mask mandate and he was busted. He didn't have a mask on at any time in that big dinner and nobody sitting around that big table with him had a mask on either. Remember, we're talking about two different levels Two different kinds of justice, one for the heavyweight politicians in the U.S. and one for the rest of us. Well, now he's messed up in a different way. Newsom's vacation and what it was and how it was played out, it was first reported by Cal Matters reporter Emily Hoven. Emily noted that Newsom's office hadn't disclosed where the governor was headed on his vacation, as it usually does. So it was confirmed yesterday, Newsom was in Montana. It's a gorgeous state. I, I, I really love Montana. I've been there several times. And I mean, I've been up in the mountains in Montana on a Harley. It's just, it's breathtaking. Well, the reason they went there, his wife, Newsom's wife, Jennifer Seibel Newsom, had relatives who own a ranch up there. Two were married at this ranch, Back in 2008, California applied a travel ban to Montana in 2021 after the state adopted legislation to protect women's sports for males competing as transgender females. California Attorney General Rob Bonta said at the time, this is what he said when they put this ban up there, Montana is being added to California's state-funded travel restrictions list as a result of House Bill 112 and Senate Bill 215, signed into law on May 7th. House Bill 112 prevents transgender women and girls from participating in school sports consistent with their gender identity. It was signed into law April 22nd. Senate Bill 2015 overrides existing state and local laws and policies that prohibit discrimination against LGBTQ plus Americans. It threatens to, among other effects, allow businesses to refuse a broad range of services to same-sex couples because of their sexual orientation alone. Given the effective date for the new laws, Montana, pursuant to AB 1887, will be added to California's travel restrictions list on July 1, 2021. So California's with Montana have made their number of these states that are blackballed, the number's up to 22 of them. So under that policy, guess what? 
the governor violated the policies of his state by going to Montana. Now, he's been known to violate his own rules before. I told you about the French Laundry restaurant no mask thing. Earlier year this year, he took his mask off at SoFi Stadium during the NFC Championship game for pictures despite a local mask mandate for large events there. Now, what's the big deal about that? I, I really... I don't, it's not a big deal to me. It's really not. I don't think he should have done it in the first place. After the fact, I thought going through it, I I didn't refuse to wear a mask at all. But I came up with the concept after puzzling through and watching people around me. And I'm in Louisiana, which is a red state. We have a Democrat governor, but everything else is Republican. I'm an independent. Um... I watched what it did to people, and I didn't like it. And then we published here 37 controlled laboratory reports by various agencies completed around the world that analyzed the effectiveness of face coverings of every type, every type, top to bottom, the effectiveness against stopping either the transmission of COVID cells out from the wearer or COVID cells getting in the body of the masked person that came from somebody else, which means the mask would have had to stop it. The mask didn't stop it. There was not, and today, there's not a singular mask in mass production anywhere on the planet that will absolutely stop COVID-19 from getting through. And that's not a Dan Newmanism. 37 different control laboratory tests, not a single one said that there was a way to absolutely prevent it by wearing a mask. But what I did during that time, I looked at people around me. One day I ran to the grocery store and I forgot my mask, to be honest with you, in the car. And there weren't a lot of people there. It was at Kroger. And I grabbed a cart and I was looking for, I can tell you what it was. I was looking for, I had to go get some uh, sugar and some flour. I forget what Marianne was baking, but she was in the middle of it, so I ran to the store to get it. Forgot my mask. I'm pushing this buggy, and as I was getting kind of toward the end of one aisle, coming around the aisle from the other place, turning up, coming down the aisle, was a little lady. And when she looked at me and saw me, I watched the horror and panic fill her eyes. Now, remember, this was back in the early stages when we were first dealing with mask on, mask off, that kind of stuff. And the FDA, FDA and Anthony Fauci, they had every human being on the planet scared to death. So we quit talking to people. We quit looking at people. You remember that? Oh, you didn't dare look at somebody in the eyes. First of all, that was all they could see. I can't tell you how many times somebody said, hey, Dan. I looked at him and said, who are you? A lot of people couldn't tell who the identity was of with those masks on you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't tell we had anonymity Gavin Newsom from the very beginning is the most egregious government in using regulations executive actions on the same level as does Joe Biden the Wall Street Journal published a report this week highlighting the economic gains that red states have made 
And they did it looking at post-pandemic economies. It listed Florida, Texas, and North Carolina as the three states that benefited most from people's migration away from New York and California toward the South and the middle of the country. The pandemic has changed the geography of the American economy. This report included these words. By many measures, red states, those that lean Republican, have recovered faster economically than Democrat-leaning blue ones, with workers and employers moving from the coast to the middle of the country and to Florida. The report pointed to a Brookings Institute study. It showed that red states have added 341,000 jobs since February of 2020. And that, if you remember, February 2020 was the month before the pandemic began. The share of all U.S. jobs located in red states has grown by more than half a percentage point, according to an analysis of Labor Department data by the Brookings Institute. Red states, 341,000 jobs over that time. Blue states were still short, a cumulative 1.3 million jobs as of May this year. The report cited several high-profile companies, including Citadel and Caterpillar, as organizations that are rushing to get out of the blue states they're in, going to red states. Isn't it amazing? Facts matter. You can take a little bit of fluff. You can take a little bit of embellishment. We can take a little bit of bragging. But when it comes down to making life decisions, you want facts. And with facts, you know that you can make good decisions. We're not getting that from this administration, and it makes it tougher than it has to be. Did you hear about a Virginia mass shooter? Two men who were allegedly plotting a mass shooting in Virginia. It came out overnight. They were in Virginia illegally. One of the men had been deported from the U.S. several times before. This happened in Richmond, Virginia. The chief of police, Gerald Smith, in a press conference Wednesday, said that a hero citizen picked up the phone, overheard a conversation. There was a mass shooting being planned right here in the city of Richmond. There's no telling how many lives this citizen hero saved from just one phone call. One phone call saved numerous lives on the 4th of July. We know what their intent was, but we don't know their motive. They arrested 52-year-old Julio Alvarado Dubon and 38-year-old Roman Balcacel, who allegedly planned to shoot up Richmond's 4th of July celebration. Both were charged being non-citizens in possession of a gun. And Smith said the men are roommates. Alvarado Dubon had two rifles, a handgun, 200 rounds of ammo, was arrested July 1. Balcarcel was surveilled by authorities arrested Tuesday of this week with the same charges. Smith said it was frustrating that one of the men had been deported several times and was able to re-enter the country. The news of this thwarted shooting comes after 21-year-old Robert Cremo. He fatally shot those seven people up in Highland Park, North Chicago, in the 4th of July parade. 
when, when these news agencies give us these stories, and you can get some kind of more conservative views and opinions on a piecemeal basis from some of the media sources, but almost every one of them does two things, talking about violence, talking about bad economic issues. They're going to slant it away from those who look bad in the reality of those circumstances. At the same time, they're going to slant it toward the people involved in these things. And I'm talking from the top down. They're going to push those that support the same political narrative as those in these news outlets have. And they're going to embellish that every single time. And it's all purposeful. Nothing happens. Nothing happens without there being some reason for it. Here's another one you probably haven't heard about. That uh, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. People in New York, they're going crazy about it. Alvin Bragg is prosecuting a hard-working bodega employee, age 51, who stabbed a career criminal to death in self-defense. Jose Alba is sitting in Rikers Island today. That's where New York City puts their prisoners. He's awaiting his next court date on murder charges. Last week, last Friday, he killed a guy named Austin Simon, a 34-year-old ex-con who attacked him. Simon's girlfriend couldn't afford a bag of potato chips in Alba's Harlem bodega. When he tried to get the chips after this thug picked him up, she pulled out a knife of her purse, then called for her boyfriend's backup. Simon then confronted Alba in the store. Alba stabbed him in self-defense, and Simon died in the hospital. Alba was arrested and charged with murder. His family started raising a GoFundMe for his defense, but they removed it last night, GoFundMe did, after 20000 had been no-dated. Now there's a growing campaign to hashtag free Jose Alba amid fury at Alvin Bragg. Bragg's office, they routinely award no or low-cast bail to violent offenders in New York City. Why not here? We're looking into it. We'll get that for you. The case is due to be presented to a grand jury on Thursday. That's a wrap today, folks. Thursdays in the books. And I tell you what we need to do today. We need to end with a good song. We need to end with a good song about living. Living. You don't find a lot of those today in current music. But I can look back a few years and find a bunch. So let's just slip over the big pond to the east. Go to Wembley Stadium in London. ELO. And what we're doing. We got to do it going forward, folks. We got to start living again. Let's lie. Sailing away on the crest of a wave. It's like magic. All rolling and riding and slipping and sliding. It's magic. And you, and your sweet desire.
It's a living 